Hi friends, my name is Caitlin Matchy, and I would like to welcome you to The Thought Maze. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about this week's episode because this will be our first Survivor Stories series. Now, I had someone scheduled to come on this week and she has a great story to tell us. However, because of circumstances, she wasn't able to come on this week. So we will definitely have her on the next round of Survivor Stories. So in place of her, I have decided to go ahead and share my story. And I know some of you were thinking, Caitlin, you already talked about this a couple weeks ago. That is true. However, I'm going to go into a bit more detail about what happened to me and how I have done my best to make progress in overcoming it. So I guess I'll start with, well, the beginning. I was abused by my ex-stepfather from the ages of four to 13. He had alcoholism, possibly used different substances, abused medications. He did have pretty severe um, bipolar one disorder and he just didn't like me <laughs> for some reason. So the abuse kind of came in two phases. The first half of his 10-year marriage to my mom, he had alcoholism and that was the worst of it. He tried to kill me multiple times, tried to drown me, tried to suffocate me. He would wake me up in the middle of the night and for all intents and purposes, torture me. He did sexually abuse me. Outside of that, he was just extremely mean to me. He would call me a loser. He would tell me that I was ugly, that I was stupid. He would coerce my brother into making fun of me. And I was like his little maid. I never did anything exactly the way he wanted it to be done. And therefore, you know, I was completely useless and stupid. He would, of course, use those instances to yell at me, to smack me, to burn me with cigarettes. He would also make me take drags from his cigarettes. He would make me take drinks from his beer. And remember, I this was probably from ages four to probably eight or nine, I would guess. And then around the ages of eight or nine, he stopped drinking. So the more physical abuses ended there. However, the emotional and mental abuse continued where he would just continue to berate me and, you know, just say terrible things to me and make me feel like I was worthless and that I was stupid. So nobody knew. I never told anyone. He and my mom got divorced they split up when I was 13. Um, their divorce became final the day after my 14th birthday. And, you know, I thought that was that. I thought that was the end of it. And I would never have to go through that again. But in my teens, I was extremely angry. And it seems like, looking back, just maybe moody teenage behavior. But I honestly believe that it had a lot to do with 
being under someone's thumb for the past 10 years of your life and finally coming out from underneath that and not knowing really what had happened to you and what to do about it. So I went through my teenage years very angry, very frustrated. I seeked out my worth in my boyfriends and just tried to people please as much as I could because I didn't know what else to do. So I continued that, um, began to get more depressed the older that I got. I would try and speak out about it, but I was kind of written off as, well, you're just a teenager, you know, you're just moody. And while I felt that that was not the case, you just assume that adults know better than you. And when I was about 19, after I had already struggled with suicidal ideations for years, I took a suicide screening at college, and apparently I, I kind of had red flags because I was contacted immediately afterwards by a school counselor that she wanted to speak with me because I was a pretty high suicide risk. I talked to her for a while. She was very nice, but I don't think I was really ready to do the work yet, and I really didn't talk at all about my trauma. Again, I I honestly still didn't really know or knew how to make sense of what had happened to me. So I didn't stay with her very long, and in 2011, I attempted to die by suicide. I took some pills, and... I had alerted some friends about how I was feeling and what I was doing, and they thankfully came to my aid. One took me to the hospital where I spent a day and a half in the ICU, and then I was put into a psychiatric ward at another hospital for another day and a half. And that experience was simultaneously the most terrifying experience of my life, and I would never wish it on my worst enemy, but it also was a step forward in the beginning of my healing. I spoke with the psychiatrist at the hospital, and it was the first time that I spoke about my abuse as a child, and I remember the breaking point for me was when she looked at me and she said, Caitlin, you were tortured. And I said, oh my gosh, I guess I was. And I had never thought of it that way. And that was the first time that I realized that what I went through was serious. And I got out of the psychiatric ward and I promised myself that I would never, ever go back there ever again. And I can't say I've never had suicidal ideations since. I, I've had thoughts, but never any sort of actions. Because now my th strategy is if I ever have any of those thoughts, if they start to creep in, I run the opposite direction. 
I will do whatever I can to stay alive. And that was the start. So in a nutshell, that's my story. And I'll tell you that most of these things I have never, ever told anybody in public about. Even very few of the people close to me actually know this. Some of these things. So, when I think back about what kind of coping mechanisms have helped me, of course not all my coping mechanisms were healthy. Again, a lot of anger a lot of seeking worth in other people, a lot of people-pleasing, staying silent. And for the longest time, I didn't feel like I had a support system to lean on. But that is very different now. Now I, I speak. That's probably my number one healthy coping mechanism is I talk about what I'm going through. I talk about my trauma If I'm triggered, I talk about it. I talk to my therapist about it. I talk to my husband about it. I talk to my friends about it. I'll talk to my family about it. That's been my number one source of healing because I was in the dark for so long and it just wasn't healthy. Now I have a tremendous support system. Michael, Shirley, Jamie, Cassandra, you know who you are. They are the ones that I know that I can turn to whenever I'm having bad moments. And they are always there to have my back. And that's the number one strategy that I can give you is just find somebody, anybody that you can talk to whenever you're having a bad moment. Because again, Especially when you're in those really, really dark places, it can be really easy to become overwhelmed and your brain really does lie to you whenever you're depressed or triggered. It makes you think that there is no way out and that there is no way that this is going to turn around and you're going to feel like this forever. And that's not true. So when you're starting to feel those thoughts creeping in, just run the other way. Whatever will make you happy in that very moment, or at the very least make you less miserable. I don't care if it's taking a bath, eating chocolate, go order your favorite food, or watch a comedy on TV, whatever you can just to make it to the next moment. And a lot of times in my case, it's talking to my support system. They are the ones that help me make it through those bad moments. And over time, I've noticed that those bad moments are becoming less frequent, much less frequent, and much less severe. So when I look back on what I went through, it has had such a profound effect on me, both good and bad. I will probably struggle with depression and anxiety my whole life because I was told from such a young age, that I was worthless. I will always probably try and avoid conflict as best as I can, because as a child, conflict meant that I was going to get hurt. There was no winning for me. I would often be told to stand up for myself, and I couldn't. It wasn't an option for me. 
because standing up for myself meant bad things were going to happen later on when nobody else was around. But I have been extremely lucky to find a bright side from this. Now, I'm not saying that I'm happy that it happened. Nobody, no child should have to go through what I went through. But because of what I went through and because of the amazing therapists that I have worked with to get to where I am today, I'm going to be a therapist someday. And I want to help people like me who went through terrible things whenever they should be protected, when they should just be a kid and they had to grow up so quickly. I'm going to help people like that someday. And I don't know what lessons I've learned from what I went through other than speak, speak out. I know it's hard and I may get some backlash from this episode because it's the first time that I've said out loud to the general public who my abuser is and I don't see him. I don't have any connection to him anymore and yet I'm still afraid of what would happen if he found out that I talked to people about what he did to me. But I'm not going to hide anymore. I shouldn't have to because I did nothing wrong. And hiding only protects him. And I don't know that he deserves to be protected. And your abusers, they don't deserve to be protected either. You are the one who needed to be protected. And you weren't. So why hide? Because it does not help your healing. It didn't help mine. That's for sure. All I did was try and protect the people around me. So I guess that's my biggest lesson. And that's my advice. I probably won't have children listening to this. Honestly, they probably shouldn't because I'm pretty open about what I went through. But if anybody else had a similar situation where they were abused as a child, just speak. Because somebody spoke to me about their story and it gave me the courage to start speaking myself. And you never know who might be listening. And you never know what you speaking out might start. You may inspire somebody in ways that you can't even imagine. And it may start a chain reaction. I can probably credit my best friend for me becoming a counselor. So some of you may now be realizing, okay, I went through some bad stuff. What do I do about it? While speaking out really started, started me towards healing, I have been with some really incredible counselors, two of whom have played a tremendous part in getting me where I am today. They've had to listen to me cry and yell and get angry and write letter after letter after letter to family members who have wronged me. And because of them, I'm in a 100% different place than I was two years ago. 100%. In April 2021, when I first started my trauma counseling, oh, I was on the edge of a nervous breakdown. 
I was so angry at everybody. And I was so depressed and I was just on edge all the time and I had no idea what to do about it. And I'm so much better now. And it's because of these two wonderful, wonderful counselors that I've worked with. One of whom I still see every week and she's amazing. And we talk about my trauma all the time. And that's not even what I went to her counseling for. <laughs> it was like, surprise! <laughs> but she has been incredible and continues to be incredible and will continue to be incredible because I plan on staying with her for a long, long time. So that being said, go try out counseling. Really. I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. And yes, it can take you a minute to find a counselor that you click with, and that's okay. Not all counselors are going to mesh with you. That's absolutely fine. That school counselor I went to didn't mesh. My first counselor I went to didn't mesh. Keep trying. Don't give up. Go online if you have to. I know some people, it's, it's hard. They don't have as much access um, as I do in the city, but I can promise you, if you find the right person, it will help 100%. So that's what I've got for you guys today. I hope you'll excuse an extremely vulnerable moment. And I hope that listening to my story helps you realize that your story is important too. And I would really love to hear your story. So if you have any sort of abuse or trauma or mental health issue that you have overcome or even one that you're not even done navigating yet, let me know because we as a community are here for you and your story may help all kinds of people. So send me your survivor story at thethoughtmaze at gmail.com. And we'll have another round of survivor stories next month. So with that, my friends, I'm going to wrap up for this week. Thank you so much for listening to my story. And please subscribe to The Thought Maze wherever you're getting your podcasts. Hit me up on social media. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at The Thought Maze. And of course, send me your stories at thethoughtmaze at gmail.com. And I would like to end this episode with a quote by Lisa Oliveira. Just because no one else can heal or do your inner work for you doesn't mean you can, should, or need to do it alone. Thank you so much, my friends, and I'll talk to you next week. Next week on The Thought Maze, we'll talk a little bit about what to do if you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health crisis. It can be a scary time, but don't feel like you have to go through it alone. We'll talk about resources and tips to help you get through it next week on The Thought Maze. The Thought Maze is recorded and produced by Caitlin Matchy. Please remember, if you have an immediate mental health need, the mental health hotline is available anytime. Please call or text 988.